Hallelujah. John chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 1. John chapter 9, I'm reading from verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned, nor his parents, but that it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went his so he went away and washed and he came back seeing. Hallelujah. This same John who wrote this gospel in another place says that if all the things which Jesus did were written down, the whole world couldn't contain the books. And out of all those mighty miracles which Jesus did, John has selected eight, and from these eight miracles, he's built the whole Gospel of John. And this is one of those eight miracles which Jesus, uh, which John chose to illustrate the teaching of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're reading not simply a wonderful miracle, but there's a, a deeper meaning to this. And I want us to look at this blind man tonight. Because I believe in this meeting tonight there are people who are just like this blind man. You may have physical eyes that you can see around this hall, but you need a more important eyesight. That is, you need eyes in your heart, as the Bible puts it, so you can really see and understand the glory of God. Now this man is a representative man. He was brought into the word of God and into the purposes of God that we're told God might display his wonderful works. They might be displayed in this man. And he stands as a sort of representative man. He represents really all men and all women of all time. He represents our condition for many physically. And he represents the condition of every one of us spiritually. I want you to notice the question that they asked Jesus. It was puzzling them. Why is this man blind? He was blind from his birth. He hadn't done any wrong. And yet there he was, born blind. And if there's a God of love, a God who cares, why was he born like this? It's a question which many of us ask. And here, Jesus give us, gives the authoritative answer to this situation which is across the face of the earth. Why do we find men and women in all sorts of desperate physical conditions? Is it because they've sinned? Or because their parents have sinned? Or is it that just there's a God who doesn't care? Or a God who delights, perhaps, in just being cruel? And here, Jesus gives the answer. It wasn't this man, and it wasn't his parents. 
But really, it goes right back to the beginning. Not to his parents or to himself, but the fact that he's born of the human race. Because the Bible teaches us that in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And from that pair have come all the nations of the world, have come all the races that cover the face of the earth, and from that pair, the whole human race has come into existence. And right back in the beginning, Adam disobeyed God. He sinned, and because he sinned, death came into the world, and sickness came into the world. Man's disobedience against God gave Satan the opportunity to come in and start to spoil and corrupt the human race. Now, it doesn't mean that this man was a particular sinner. He was just part of humanity, which has a corporate sin before God, and as a result, it's become uh, the victim of the malice and activity of Satan and of his angels. Now, sickness doesn't come from God, or at least generally it doesn't. On very, very rare occasions, God may judge a particular person with a sickness. But that's very, very rare indeed. A few sicknesses and diseases are self-inflicted. But the vast majority of sickness and disease comes upon the human race simply because we're human, because we come from a, a, a heredity which has sinned against God and sin and sickness have passed into the human race because Adam sinned. And that's what we've got to understand. Now, it's bad enough to be sick physically, but it's even more important and more desperate that we should be sick spiritually. Because this man not only represents the physical needs of the world in terms of disease and sickness, and praise God there's an answer to that tonight, hallelujah, and I personally have seen with my own eyes and, and with my own hands, I've seen blind eyes opened by Jesus just a few weeks ago. Hallelujah. He's still in the business of undoing the devil's work, beloved. Praise God. That's why Jesus came into the world, the Bible says. Amen. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Glory be to God. And it could be that's why you're here tonight. Not because you've sinned or you're aware that you've sinned, or that you're conscious of a particular sin of your parents, but because you're part of Adam's race, you've been afflicted in your body by disease and sickness, which is now common across the face of the earth. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is still doing miracles. And if all the things that Jesus did since he had died and rose again were written down, I don't think all the, the, the planets of all the universe could, could contain the books. Hallelujah. I remember going a year or two back to a particular prayer mountain, it's called in South Korea, where several thousand people are usually to be found in constant prayer and intercession. My wife was writing the book, God, this is not a commercial by the way, but it's, I'm not interested in selling books, but if you've not read that book, you want to give yourself a treat and read it. It'll inspire you to believe God to do it here. And while she spent a few days on that prayer mountain and saw amazing things happening, she just asked the lady in charge, could you just give me one or two stories of the things that God is doing? I'd like to use them in my book, please. And this lady who was in charge of Prayer Mountain, she took a, a thick book about the thickness of a telephone directory. She said, these are the things which Jesus has done miraculously during the past month. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. And we rejoice in proclaiming a Jesus Christ who's powerful through his body, the church, and by his mighty spirit to rebuke sickness and disease and to drive it out of human bodies and to save people from the power and tyranny of Satan. But you know, it's not so much the physical needs which I want to concentrate on tonight, I want to concentrate on the spiritual needs. Because this man not only represents the physical needs of the human race, but he, he represents the spiritual needs of the human race. It's bad enough to be blind physically, but it's even more desperate if you are blind spiritually. The spiritual state is more important than the physical. Now, I've never been blind physically, but I spent, well, more than half of my life in a spiritually blind condition. So I can sort of sympathize and enter into the condition of this man. Now, in the Bible, there's one test for spiritual blindness. If you are suffering from defective eyesight, many of you may have that experience, and you go to an optician and he sits you down in a chair and he then makes the place all dark and he shines a light and you see a sort of a, a test chart on the wall. And he says, now read the letters on that chart. You say, what chart? He says, oh. <laughs> he says, I can see you have the real name. Then you start to read them. A, X, E, J, F, H, uh, J, and then gradually as it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, you begin to sort of blear with your eyes to try and see. And from that sort of test and other tests, he's able to determine your exact physical condition regarding your eyesight. But in the Bible, God has a very clear test for spiritual sight. And I want you to apply this test tonight. The Bible speaks of the eyes of our heart being opened. Not our physical eyes, but eyes in our heart. And there's one test, and it's written for us in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, and it's verse 4. And it says this, it says, The God of this world, and he's, and he's talking about Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe so that they cannot see the glory of the face of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. And that's the only test God has, and he takes every single one of us in the human race, he says, I want to test you for spiritual eyesight. He says, now look, there's Jesus Christ, what do you see? Well, what do you see tonight? I know that for quite a few of my years, to me he was just a sort of vague figure, like King Arthur. Someone who had an historic background, but a great lot of myths have been built around him. He was a good man who lived a long time ago, but what's that got to do with me? And what I saw of the church and the years that I suffered going to some boring church services, well, that was enough for me and you can keep the church, thank you very much. Most of them are hypocrites anyway. And anyway, I'd studied science now and I was intelligent and educated. 
and it was all right for old ladies who need something to lean on. It's good for children to put the fear of God into them to make sure they behave themselves. <laughs> but for people like me, you don't need that sort of rubbish. If, ever, if I ever mentioned the name of Jesus at all, it would be as a swear word. You see, I was absolutely blind. When God held up the face of Jesus Christ to me, it meant nothing, so I couldn't see anything. And the Bible says that he is the image of God. That the glory of God can be seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you tonight, even if somebody mentions the name Jesus, what does it mean to you? What does it do to you? What do you see? You see, it's the most important question that you've got to answer. Because if you can't see, if you're blind, one day you're going to walk over the precipice at the end of this life and you're going to drop straight down into hell. And if you can't see, you're bound to go over the edge and that will be that. But God doesn't want that to happen to any of us. And I just praise God for the miracle which he did in my life. And I praise God for the miracle which he's going to do in lives tonight in this meeting. Praise his name. But we've got to be honest. What does it mean? What do you see in the face of Jesus Christ? You say, oh, I see the image of God. I see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because it's happened to me. You mentioned the name Jesus now. I say, oh, Jesus, it just thrills me. I see, I see. I, I see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's the test. It's not whether you go to church, or whether you pray, or whether you don't go to church or don't pray, whether you give, or whether you don't give, whether you try to be good, or whether you don't try to be good. That's the test. When God holds up before you the face of Jesus Christ, what do you see? What do you see? And there's a second part of the test, and that is, what do you see when you look at sin? You see, we read it, or we didn't read it, but I'm going to read it just to make sure that you get this verse into you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read it now, verse 4. It says in verse 3 that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. The good news that we're preaching tonight to some people, it doesn't mean a thing. They can't see it, it's not important, it's not exciting, it doesn't thrill them, and the reason is they can't see it because their eyes are veiled. And that could be your condition as you came into this meeting tonight. That's what's so heartbreaking about it. But it says, the reason for this is it's the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God and you just can't see. Completely blind. And once the devil's blinded our eyes and blinded our minds, and this he's done to the whole human race, and you need a miracle to recover your sight, if that miracle hasn't taken place in your life, then you are blind. You can come for a Christian home. You can have parents who love the Lord Jesus. They love to come to these sort of meetings. They get excited with you, and you look at them and think, what's all the fuss about? Think, cool. I wish it would get over quick. And you can't see anything. There's no glory. There's nothing exciting or thrilling. 
Well, it's because you're blind. And the other test of your eyesight is what do you see when you look at sin? The devil's been deceiving and lying. He's a thief and he's a robber. And he says, oh, you don't want to worry about those old-fashioned Victorian ideals. They don't mean anything today. We've gone on since those days. We're free now. If you want a bit of sex, have it. It's fine. Everybody's doing it now. After all, if you haven't had your experiences by the time you're 15 or 16, well, I mean, you're just a square, aren't you? You're just regarded as stupid by everybody else at school. And although some of you may have married and taken marriage vows in a church before God, yet when you ran into trouble, you said, oh, well, the devil said, it doesn't really matter. You could, if it doesn't work out, forget it. Start again with somebody else. And all over this nation today, the devil's been blinding the minds of people to sin. As I was just watching a news item the other day, it was in direct response to the, the Gillick legislation which has now required that children, girls under 16, have got to have their parents' permission before they can go on the pill. What an incredible situation, isn't it? And the thing that staggered me most of all is the angry response by so many people who ought to know better. I'm just staggered by it. And I was watching this news bit and there was a, a whole bunch of 15-year-old girls saying, well, it's not going to make a difference to me. I'm going to have sex with my boyfriend and I, if I have an abortion, I'll have an abortion. They're not going to stop me. I looked at these hard faces, 15, I thought, oh God. You know, I felt absolutely sick inside. God, what is happening to this nation? And the devil's been going up and down this land with these lying deceptions, blinding and blinding and blinding, particularly the young generation. And they don't know what sin is anymore. And they don't know who Jesus Christ is anymore. And as a result, you've been ruined and destroyed and robbed. And by the time the devil's finished with you, he's going to kill you and drag you off to hell. Oh God, I just cried inside. And here's this 15-year-old guy who said, well, if I can't get the pill, I'll have an abortion. I said, my God. Do you know that abortion is murder in the sight of God? Did you know that? Just imagine taking a, a, a helpless little child, not even yet born, and killing it. You know, this nation today, I read in a recent article, is responsible now, through the Abortion Act, for more murders than the Nazi regime did in all those years in the concentration camps of Germany. This nation is more guilty of mass murder through abortion. And most people have no idea what they're doing. You see, God has not changed. He's the same. And in the sight of God, the sexual act is the most, most precious. It, it's the very, once you understand it, once your eyes have been opened to see what it's all about spiritually, it, it's the very heart of God's great glorious mystery, which he's 
taken to the whole of creation. You know, God jealously guards it. And there's nothing more horrible in the sight of God than sexual sin. It says in the Bible that all other sins are outside the body, but this one's inside the body. And if you commit that sin, you lose something of yourself. You're just not a whole person anymore. The devil blinds and blinds and blinds, and there are people like this in his meeting tonight. And he's blinded you to sin, and you didn't even know it was sin. And you didn't even care about it. And yet, nevertheless, it's done its work. It doesn't stop sin doing its work. And you've been destroyed. Part of you's been destroyed. Something very, very precious and wonderful and pure has been taken out of your life. Because you were blind. And you couldn't see and you didn't understand. And I just think of all the sexual perversion in this land. And listen to what people say. Listen to the radio and the television and to people walking about and talking. I think, God, 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 what blindness. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe and they just cannot see sin anymore. But beloved, God's not going to change. And although you may not call it sin, I tell you, you've still got the sentence of it in your life. That's why you feel so restless and unsatisfied and unfulfilled and unhappy. The devil's been going around this nation, particularly with the younger generation, but not exclusively the young generation. And as a result, every kind of wickedness has come into this generation. Marriages have gone. So many have committed murder through abortion. There's every kind of sexual perversion. Homosexuality. And lesbianism, it's according to the lies of the devil, it's perfectly okay, but it's not okay with God, beloved. There's habits of every kind and, you know, even anger. You know what the Bible says? It says that if we get angry without a reason, we're in danger of hellfire. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. If you've got an uncontrolled anger, it's enough to send you to hell because you cannot live in the presence of God with that sort of thing going on inside you. If you look after a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart already. And the Bible says no adulterer has a, has a place in the kingdom of God. God speaking down the century says, says, I'm the Lord God and I don't change. I'm not changing to match modern standards of conduct and behaviour. You know the Bible says that every liar shall have their place in the lake of wrath. Did you know that? Jesus said it's the devil who was a liar from the beginning and he's the father of all lies. We just lie these days and it doesn't matter. And the reason that all this is going on is because the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe can't see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and we can't see sin it just doesn't matter anymore it's just not important it's just a giggle it's just a laugh and this man who was blind from birth represents everybody in this meeting tonight who's in that condition blind from birth 
and in a manner of speaking, while you were ignorant, and you didn't know what you were doing, although sin has done its terrible damage in your life, God doesn't hate you, he loves you. God hasn't condemned you, but he's done a great and wonderful act to save you from that awful, awful spiritual blindness. Let's read on in our story. Because God's answer to this ruined situation is a new creation. You I say, well, what can I do? I've already lost my purity. I've already wrecked my marriage. I've already got myself into all sorts of habits that I no longer have any control over. I've already got well-established wickedness in my life that I can't do anything about. What can I do? And in this story that we read tonight, we have God's answer to this terrible condition of spiritual blindness. Because Jesus came to this man and we read that what he did was he bent down on the ground and he took the dust of the earth and he spat on it and then he made it into clay. And he took the clay and he put it onto this man's eyes. Now, everything that Jesus does has got meaning and significance. He never does anything without it having a real meaning. And sometimes you've got to seek the face of God and say, Lord, what does that mean? And I've asked God, I said, God, what does it mean? And this is what I believe God told me. He showed me. He said, well, how, did, how was man made in the first place? I said, Lord, from the dust of the ground. He said, that's right. You see, if you're a human being, you're not like any other animal. You're a unique creation. You're the heart and purpose of God. God loves humanity in a way that's different to every other form of created being. Don't you believe that lie that we're just another form of animal, that we've just descended from monkeys or some other kind of animal? We're a unique creation of God, beloved. And God took the dust of the earth, and the Bible says he formed it into a man, and then he took the man and opened his side and took out a bone and built the bone into a woman, and he made a woman and presented the woman to the man, so both man and woman are uniquely created by the very hands of God, beloved. Created to shine forth the very image and glory of God and to be together with God as rulers over all his creation forever and ever, amen. Man ought never to have known sickness. He ought never to have known sin. He ought never to have known death. He made us, you and I, a beautiful, wonderful, unique creation. But it's been spoiled by the disobedience of our forefathers. But God's got an answer, beloved. And here, in that act of Jesus, we see God's answer. He's taking, as it were, the basic humanity and he's making it anew with the power of his word. Can you see that? He's saying, I'm not going to patch up your old life. I'm not going to take your ruined life. I'm going to give you altogether a new beginning. I'm going to make you into a new you. Hallelujah. I don't care what sort of mess you're in as you sit in this meeting tonight. I don't care how much you've ruined your present life. I tell you that if you will hear the word of God, you're going to have a glorious new start with God tonight. You can be a drunkard, a drug addict. You can be a homosexual. You can have wrecked your marriage. You can have ruined your body, but I tell you tonight, Jesus Christ, the living God, can make you wonderfully and gloriously new. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 
Now the question is, do you want to be made new? Because here's this blind man. God's done his work. Because Jesus is almighty God and he's taken that clay, he's spat upon it, it's the power of his word, sort of taken into human, basic humanity and made into a glorious new creation. And then he took the clay and stuck it on the outside of the man's eyes. He still couldn't see. As if God was taking this wonderful new possibility and putting it just an eyelid thickness away from that man's need. Now listen to me tonight. If your life's in a mess, in any kind of way, if you have any sort of need tonight, Jesus Christ, the living God, is able to meet that need. And he's setting before you, as it were, the potential of a new you, the picture of a new you. You've got a foul temper, you can be without that foul temper. You're a prisoner of perverted sex, you can be free from that perverted sex. You're a drug addict, you're hopelessly messed up in your marriage relationship, you've lived around and slept with boys or girls and you've ruined your purity, you've got no control over a smoking habit or a drinking habit, whatever mess you're in tonight, I tell you that there's a glorious new you that God can make out of your basic personality. He can make you gloriously and wonderfully new. How do I know? Because he's done it for me. He's done it for hundreds of us in this meeting tonight. We can all have something. We can now see God's done his work in our lives. But here you are in this meeting tonight and there's the potential of a glorious new creation, of a whole new start with God, of being a new, brand new creature remade by the mighty creative hands of God. And it's like as if it's an eye lid thickness away. The new use on the outside and the present fallen use on the inside and there's, a, there's sort of an eye lid thickness away. Oh, hallelujah. And then Jesus said something to this man, and this is really where you come in, because up to that point, God's able to do it for you, but there comes a certain point where you've got to move in faith yourself. No one can do it for you. If you're in this meeting tonight, it's probably because somebody brought you. They've been praying for you. There's a great travail in many people's hearts for people to be born again in this meeting tonight. But there comes a certain point when you've got to respond. And that's where this man came in the story that we read tonight. Jesus spoke to him and said, you have got to do something. Go and wash in the pool called Siloam. Now the word Siloam, it means sent or the sent one. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. He was the sent one. He was sent from heaven by the Father to come and live upon this earth and die a death upon a cross that you and I might be freed from our sin. After 28 years of spiritual blindness, one night a man spoke to me in Nottingham. I was a lecturer there in the college, so arrogant in my atheistic, scientific sort of life. But in the last three months, God had started speaking to me. He started dealing with me. And I'd come to this point now where, where there was a sort of a, a, a longing in my heart for this new creation, but it still hadn't happened to me. It was still outside. It was like a, a sort of an eyelid thickness away. And that night, by the, the hand of God, I was taken to see a man. And I believe some of you have been brought into this meeting tonight for the very same reason. And this man didn't fool around with great big arguments. He said, listen, Alan, he said, the reason that God isn't real to you is because of the sin in your life. 
Now, I wasn't a drunkard or a drug addict. I was, I was a very respectable member of society. And that could be you in this meeting tonight. You say, oh, well, I'm not a terrible sinner. If you're not submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you are a terrible sinner. I paid my taxes. I lived respectably. I believed in the truth. I was a very nice guy. I'd lend you my lawnmower, help you mend your car, look after your dog for you if you went away on holiday. I was such a nice chap to live next to it. Honestly, I was. Such a respectable, upright member of society. But in the sight of God, I was a filthy sinner. And in the sight of God, that's your condition tonight, however respectable you are in the eyes of the world. And this man said to me, Alan, the reason that God's not real to you is because of the sin in your life. He said, Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sin. And the only way for that sin to be taken away is for you to believe it. He said, it's an act of will rather than an act of understanding. And you can decide tonight you're going to believe it. And if you decide you're going to believe it, then it'll start to work its mighty work in your life. And if you will surrender your life to this living Christ, because he's not dead, he's alive and risen, and by his Spirit he can come and live right inside you, he said, if you tonight will open up your life to God and say, God, come and live inside me, he said, he'll make a brand new man of you. And something in my heart said, oh, I want that. I want that. I was like this blind man. There it was, the potential of being brand new, and yet it was an eyelid thickness away. And then he invited me to do something, to kneel down with him and pray a prayer and commit my life to Jesus Christ. And that's what I did. My wife was watching this. She got the biggest shock of her life. And I knelt down and I said, Lord, I don't really understand this, but I'm going to act on it anyway. I'm not even sure if you're there, but if you're there, I want you to take my life over and make it new. I'm going to believe that you died on the cross for me, and I'm going to believe that that is going to take away my sin and that you're going to become real to me. You see, it was a decision of the will. I decided I was going to believe. And I got up from my knees, and I knew something had happened. And Eileen, my wife, she looked at me and she said, you're a different person. It was immediately that obvious. I was immediately new. And my eyes opened spiritually, and from that day forward, I knew the living God, and I've lived this way now for, for 26 years approximately. And you know, today, He's more real and more wonderful and more glorious. You say, just say Jesus. I think, oh, Lord Jesus. I can see him. I can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus was doing to this man. He said, right, you go to that pool. You go to the sent one and you wash. You go to Jesus, if you like, and let the power of Calvary do its work in your life. You go to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come and wash you and make you absolutely new. He could have said, I don't see how it's going to help my blindness. And he would have stayed blind. I could have said, well, I don't see how that's going to make God any more real to me. And I could have walked out of that man's house and I could have been as blind today as I was then. And you could do the same tonight. You could walk out and say, well, 
they all seem to have such nice people, they've got something, but I'm not sure that I want it. Or you can do something, you can miss it, beloved. You've got to do something. You've got to move. And this man went to that pool and he washed. Let me just read you some scriptures. I'm going to go to Titus. Just listen to this. It could be talking about you. Titus in chapter 3. Listen. Because I feel here are some of the conditions into which the devil has blinded many people. Remind them, verse 1, to be subject to rulers and to authorities and to be obedient and to be ready for every good deed. You see, there's a lot of rebellion around in the world. A lot of rebellion around in young people's hearts. Don't malign one another. Don't be contentious. That was, don't be arguing and fighting all the time. Be gentle, showing every consideration to all men. Listen, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Saviour and his love appeared, he saved us. Hallelujah. He saved us. That's the testimony of Titus. Do you have hate in your heart? And are you hateful? He said, oh, I'm so spiteful. I don't know why I'm, but I just am. Are you rebellious against authority? Or do you just want to kick over the table and say, why should I do what people tell me to do? Why should I? I don't want to be told what to do. I want to live my own life, do my own thing. I tell you, that's the blindness of Satan, beloved. We were all once like that. And Titus evidently was. He said, we were like that. We were foolish ourselves once. He said, but God saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we've done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, he went to the pool and washed. He said, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you for my salvation. And the Holy Spirit came and washed him and made him altogether new. And he came back a new person, beloved. That's what can happen to you tonight. It's a miracle. We can't explain it. I don't know what happened to me on July the 3rd, 1958, but I know I've never been the same since. I can't explain it. I said, oh God, I'm coming to you. He said, right. I'll do a miracle in your life. You're never going to be the same again. And I never have been. Sins and habits dropped off my life like so many dead leaves off a tree when the, when the spring sap rises in the tree. Hallelujah. Come to... 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. Listen, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Did you know that in a recent survey by the Bible Society in Britain that 87% of the people in England said we would like to feel that we were some sort of Christian and that one day God's going to accept us and that we hope to go to heaven one day. 87% of the people of Britain still want to go to heaven, still want to feel they're sort of Christian and hope that one day God's going to receive them. But I believe that 82% of those are going to be disappointed. You could be one of those tonight. You see, I know what God's done in my life. I know that I can see. I know that I'm a new creature. I know something's happened. I know, I know, I know. And I know that one day I shall go and I shall stand before Jesus and all I'm going to receive is just his loving acceptance. I'm going to live forever with him in a, in a state of existence which I just cannot describe because it's so wonderful. I know it. I know it. It's so real to me. I can so see with such clarity now. But once I was blind. 
but now I can see. Let's read on. Don't be deceived. No fornicators, that's people who have sex before marriage. No idolaters, no adulterers, that's people who have sex other than with their marriage partners. No effeminate, no homosexual, no thief. If you pinch things from work or buy things that other people have pinched from work, then you're a thief. If you fiddle your income tax, you're a thief. And no thief, it says, nor covetous, nor drunkard, nor reviler, nor swindler shall inherit the kingdom of God. Not a single one will, beloved, not one. And such were some of you. But you were washed, hallelujah, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. You see, they went to the pool, they're washed. Go to the pool and wash, said Jesus. There, right before your eyes, almost touching you, is the potential of becoming a glorious, brand new creation of God. All the old mess of your old life, it can pass away in a moment and everything can become gloriously new. But there's something you've got to do. You've got to go and you've got to plunge yourself into, as it were, the power of Calvary and you've got to let the Holy Spirit Spirit of God wash you all over and cause you to be born again and to become a wonderful new creation in Christ. And this man, it says he went. I don't suppose he understood. You say, well, please explain to me the mechanism. I don't quite understand this. How's it going to happen? Somehow, in his spirit, he knew it was God and he was going to just obey. In a way, not understanding what he was doing, but just believing that this was God's answer to his need. And he went. And he washed. And the Bible says, he came back seeing he came back seeing. You know, it's happening all over the world. I've just come back from India just a few days ago, going through various towns and villages, and we've seen over the last few years thousands of Hindus, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of Hindus have gone and washed in this wonderful pool of silo. They've been to Jesus, the sent one, and he's delivered hundreds from all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, but the most wonderful thing is that thousands of them can now see. They can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They can see that this Jesus is the very image of the living God. They can see that he's unique, that he's wonderful. He's, he's taken up their whole life and they are now centered everything around him. That's what happens when you can see Nothing else matters anymore once you can see Jesus in clear, clear focus. It says at the end of this chapter of John 9, this same man came back later to Jesus and it says he believed in him and he worshipped him. And his eyes were just filled up with the, with the wonder and glory of this wonderful Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now I don't know what your need is tonight. 
But if you're part of Adam's race, you were born blind, beloved. Spiritually, you couldn't see. And you need a miracle of God. You need that miracle that we've looked at tonight. It's got to take place in your life. You've got to go to Jesus, the sent one. Let Calvary do its work in your life. You've got to go to the Holy Spirit and let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. And let that miracle of new birth take place in their lives. Let the power of Calvary and the power of the Holy Spirit do something mighty in them. Lord, that from this night forward, they'll go away from this meeting place seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Knowing that they've been made new by the power of God. Now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, you'll release them to come to you tonight and be cleansed and made anew by the power of your Spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, we just release your freedom across this meeting tonight. We just bind every lying spirit that's blinded them for so many years. We bind those lying, deceiving spirits in the name of Jesus. And we just release them. We loose them to come to God in Jesus' mighty name. We're looking, Father, now for you to bring many through to a glorious new relationship in Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.